I want to invite you to turn into a book that you can easily miss if you're not careful. Um, I, have, I have never preached a message from this book of the Bible. Uh, and I don't mean like in my tenure here at New Hope. I mean like in my tenure in ministry. I have never preached a message. This is some kind of weird connection thing. We'll get through it. I've never preached a message from this book of the Bible. It's just a couple of pages long, the whole thing, and it's right at the end of the book of Judges. Turn to the book of Ruth this morning. I don't want to tell you to turn to Ruth because it's too easy to miss. You have to go right there to the end of the book of Judges, and you will see the book of Ruth. Um, I want to evaluate today. Here's the two things I'm going to evaluate. I'm going to struggle through it, though. Ain't no devil going to get me down. Generosity. This is the difference that generosity delivers in this story. Notice what generosity delivers versus what greed denies. Okay, so there's, with this up here real quick, there's three characters in this story. They're main characters. Naomi, who is a widow, I'll explain more. Ruth, who is a Moabite woman, and I'll explain what that means. And then finally, this man named Boaz who is really, honestly, he's just a simple Israelite farmer, okay? He's just tending his land, nothing special, really blue-collar guy, up in age, never really been married, not a whole lot of legacy to look at. Those are our three main characters. But then there are these two sub-characters, okay? One of their names is Orpah, not to be confused with Oprah, but Orpah, um, her mother didn't like her. She gave her a weird name. And then Ruth. Apparently Moabite people were not known for their creativity in, in just naming beautiful women. Orpah. Orpah. Okay. And so we have this, this daughter-in-law of Naomi. You're going to see that she missed. And then and this relative of Boaz. Okay. So we're going to dive right in. I, uh, we called this message a generous deliverance. And you're going to see how important that is. At the end, at the very end. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel. So this is in the middle of the book of Judges, as far as the chronological timeline. A severe famine came upon the land. It came upon the, the severe famine came upon the land of Israel. Um, so a man, and that man's name was Elimelech. We'll see him in just a minute. This is the husband of Naomi. A man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. Okay, so Elimelech is married to Naomi and they have two sons. And because there's a famine in the land, they run away from God's promise. Okay, they're in the promised land. They flee away from God's promise because it didn't look like what they expected it to look like. And it wasn't producing what they had been praying that it would produce. And so they were like, well, I'm done with this. I'm going to leave this church. I'm not getting fed the way that I want to be fed. I'm not being invested in. It's not what I expected. It's less than what God promised. So I'm going to move on to something else. And so they moved to the land of Moab to, to live among the Moabites. And try to provide there. Um, apparently that was a bad idea. Because they died. 
like dead. Not like they had a bad experience, but like they died, okay? The husband and the two sons. Well, while they were there, the two sons had married these two Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. So Naomi, Naomi, not only is she suffering the tragedy and the loss of her husband, but she's also suffering the tragedy and the loss of her sons, both of them. The only thing this woman has left in this foreign land is these two Moabite daughter-in-laws. She has no legacy. She has no hope in her own eyes. In her eyes, she has no purpose at this point. And so she brings these daughter-in-laws to her, and she says, hey, you need to go, and, and, and you need to, 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 to just go back to your parents' house. Like, just go back to your home. Look at verse 6 with me. The Bible says, Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah. Here's what we, Elimelech never should have left. Because Naomi's in Moab here in, oh wait, God showed up again. Like, the politics and the policies weren't the source of our provision. Just, you know, for modern day example. The Lord has blessed who? His people in Judah who believed in his promise. Even when it wasn't coming to pass the way or when they expected it to. He believed in, it blessed his people in Judah by giving, by giving which is, is always part of blessing, by the way. Giving is always attached. He was giving them good crops again. So Naomi hears that, and she begins to make her way back to her home, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah. And she pulls these two daughter-in-laws. She's like, hey, you, you, you know I love you. You can read this through Ruth chapter 1. You know I love you, but, but you need to go back to your house, because I can't take care of you. And Orpah, eventually she concedes. And Orpah's like, okay, so I'm going to go. It wasn't even really that selfish. It was more just the, you know what, I'm, you're, you're seemingly right. It seems like you're confused and just, and just communicating through emotion right now. But you're right, you know, it's going to be better for me if I just go back to what I know. Because I would rather go back to what I know than take a chance on what I don't know. I, I would rather go back to my former than begin to walk in faith. That's what Orpah did and, and I don't know that it was greed necessarily, but it was definitely the protection of self, which is ultimately exposed in greed. And now Orpah, and you can watch, we never hear about her again. She's out of the rest of this story. She's gone. She misses what God had for her because she returned to her paganistic ways instead of continuing in the promise that God had aligned in her life. Ruth, on the other hand, she had a different kind of loyalty. Verse 16 in chapter 1 says, But Ruth replied, Naomi, don't ask me to leave you and turn your back. Do, don't, don't ask me this one again. You can almost hear the same spirit in Ruth right now that Jesus spoke to Peter. Get behind me. I'm going to do what I sense God's spirit telling me to do. Don't say it again. Don't mention it again. We're not talking about going backwards. We are going to move forward. We're going to learn for our, from our past and use it as the potential for our future. That's the only thing that we're going to look at that has anything to do with where we've been. 
Don't say it again. Don't, don't ask me one more time. Here's what she says. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely. Pray this prayer tonight before you go to sleep. <laughs> May the Lord punish me severely. If I allow anything but death to separate us. I want you to understand the essence of Christianity in the words of a pagan. Jesus, may I not let anything but death separate me from you. May you punish me severely. Because I would rather be punished severely on earth than pay for it severely in eternity. That is what Ruth is praying right here. I want you to notice, number one, if you're taking notes, that Ruth was loyal despite the loss. Are we going to be loyal despite the possibility of losing our tax exemption? Are we going to be loyal despite the possibility of losing our jobs? Are we going to be loyal despite the possibility of losing our preference? Are we going to be loyal to Jesus even when the candidate that we don't put our Christianity behind or the candidate that we do put our Christianity behind does or does not end up in the house that get to make some of the decisions of the land? Are we going to be loyal when we lose? See, often we think of loss and we, we send it directly to our loved ones. And that is the essence of this story. Ruth has lost her husband. Naomi's lost her husband and her sons. But there's a loyalty. So here's my question. Whenever things don't work out and it seems like you're losing more than you're winning, are you going to lose your faith or are you going to lean into it? Are you going to look back or are you going to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher? Come on. He may have not be doing it right now, but he's going to do something eventually. And if I'll just stay in the land that's already been promised, Jehovah Jireh will show back up. Will you be loyal despite the loss? Ruth chapter 2. We just finished an entire chapter in eight minutes. You're welcome. <laughs> chapter 2, verse 2, it says, One day Ruth the Moabite. All right, now this is important because this is going to come back up. I've got to explain why, why the scripture keeps referring to her as a Moabite. Remember the Moabites were the ones that attacked Israel first whenever Israel came to inherit the promised land. When they were leaving Egypt, they were one of the first tribes to attack the Israelites. But what's interesting is that they're actually relatives of the Israelites because the Moabites were the descendants of Lot. Do you remember Lot? Lot was Abraham's cousin, and his wife, she was salty. Some of the Sunday school types, you got that. For the rest of y'all, she turned into a pillar of salt because she looked back at Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> so she was salty. Don't be salty. So you end up like Lot's wife. Okay? So, so Lot, he has these two daughters. This is kind of weird. Just hang in there for, with me for a second. And his two daughters, they don't have any sons. And they've got all these issues in their family. So what they decide to do is to get their father drunk and they lay with him. And one of the daughters conceives a child, and that child's name is Moab. The Moabites 
are the descendants of Lot's incest. This woman, Ruth, is a Moabite, a descendant of Lot's incest. That's her legacy. That's how people know her. That's who she's known as. And one day, Ruth, the descendant of Lot's incest, said to Naomi, I'm here to serve. I'm here to be generous. I'm going to be loyal despite my loss. She said, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. Isn't it funny that previously we were describing her as Naomi's daughter-in-law, and now all of a sudden Naomi is identifying her as her daughter? Because sometimes family has nothing to do with blood and everything to do with commitment. See, love is not an action. Love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Love is an action and a commitment. And all of a sudden, because Ruth has become committed, she's become family. See, when you begin to become committed to what God has for you, you're no longer just another child. You're, you're part of the only child. You become what you committed to. And she says, you're my daughter Verse 3, so Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, all right, just hang on to that for a second. It was cultural for immigrants, poor people, and widows to go out to the fields and to walk the edges of the fields. The harvester or the farmer would get all of the crop from the field, and then they would allow the immigrants, the widows, and the poor to come and glean. That's where we get the like, glean. I don't want all of your wisdom. I just want to glean from some of your wisdom. They would glean the field or they would pick up the leftovers. And the Bible says, and as it, it just so happened that Ruth was being loyal despite her loss. And that in her generosity, she went out to gather things for her mother-in-law who had given up on life at this point. And she found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz, the relative or kinsman, if you will, of her father-in-law, Elimelech. Now here's what's interesting. Boaz, he's only doing what he's supposed to do. See, Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 24, 19, without just looking at my notes as a reference. It's not going to come up on the screen. But Deuteronomy instructed God's people that they are to be generous to the immigrant and the poor. So Boaz isn't even, he's not even being extravagant right now. He's just being obedient. But Boaz sees Ruth out in the field when she's gleaning and he's worried about her because number one, he identifies her that, and, as not Israelite and he knows that she's going to be taken advantage of and she probably can't defend herself and we've come to find out that he understands that, that she is connected to Naomi who is actually one of his relatives. So he protects her and he begins to provide for her and cover her. He says, hey, I need you to follow my servants. Like, don't go out alone. You know, kind of like I did to my wife the other night at 9 o'clock at night in Eunice. She's like, I'm going to go get gas. I'm like, no, you're not crazy. It's dark. We live in Eunice, girl. Going out to the gas station at 9 o'clock. And sure enough, somebody needed a ride. And they liked Megan's car and wanted me to give them a ride somewhere to 2nd Street. I was like, dude, we're halfway up Laurel. You could have done walk there by the time I give you a ride. But anyways, it was just going on. 
We got him a ride, so here's the point there. Number two, being generous can become contagious. Being generous in this story became contagious. Like, man, I I can't just leave you here. Boaz says, "I, I can't just leave you here. And so watch this. Ruth, in verse 10, she fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? I'm only a foreigner. What Boaz should have said was, well, nothing. I'm just being obedient to God's word. But watch what he said. Verse 11, yes, I know, Boaz replied. In other words, he's saying, I know your skin doesn't look like mine. We'll just go ahead and go on that side of the track today. But I'm not looking at your skin tone. I'm looking at the tone of your spirit. Watch what he says right here. I I know, I know that you're a foreigner, that you're not like me, that you're part of the tribe that attacked us when we tried to come over on this side. But I also know about everything that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. And I've heard how you left your father and mother. You forsake your fallenness. You've forsaken your fallen background, your paganistic roots, of the Moabite people who serve multiple gods, you have left all that to live in the land here among complete strangers. Verse 12, May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. See, in order to get to God's future, you've got to forsake your past. To move forward In what God has for you, you must forsake the things that he wants to pay for you. Ruth returns to Naomi. And you can almost see this picture. Like you see two women in a room. Come on, go there with me. And Ruth comes in. She's like, you would never guess. (laughs) And Naomi's like, and they understand one another. It's crazy. There they are, interpreting one another's excitement. (laughs) Naomi is ecstatic. Naomi's like, you have found the kinsman redeemer. You have found the one who will purchase the land and who is supposed to marry. Well, technically, you're supposed to marry me, Naomi. He's like, that's kind of what was supposed to happen. But, but Naomi's like, I'm too old. I ain't into all that. He marrying you, girl. <laughs> you followed me here. You said wherever I go. Now you're about to live up to it. And so here they are. They're really excited. Like, you won't just, you, you can't believe it. So Naomi says, all right, you're kind of homely looking, Ruth. You need a bar of soap. You need some water. About to be a transformation. Like your heart's so pure, but girl, you can be way prettier than what you're showing right now. So we're going to clean you up. You're going to look like you care about yourself. And you're going to put on the best clothes that you have. And then you're going to go find Boaz. Now he's going to be out in the field all day long gathering the grain and getting everything together. And then he's going to eat and he's, he's going to... He's going to relax at the end of his day. In fact, you can find him laying at the end of the pile of grain. And what you need to do, this is Naomi telling Ruth, what you need to do is you need to go and uncover his feet, and you need to lay at his feet. Now, this is only understood in the cultural context. Like, we don't think this way. But this was very cultural for them. This was an act of submission. 
It was an act of servanthood. It was, it was likened unto Jesus washing the feet of the disciples to show, like, you're not here for me. I'm here for you. And so, I, I, Ruth, you need to go in and uncover his feet and just lay at his feet. All right? And this is too funny not to read. I got to read it to you. Ruth chapter 3. Look, we just did two chapters in 20 minutes. You're welcome. Chapter 3, verse 7. After Boaz, Boaz had finished eating and drinking, was in good spirits... He lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and laid down at his feet. Verse 8. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over, and he was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. I bet he was. I mean, my man's up in age. He's been working all day. Like... I love when I come home after working all day and I lay down and I lift my eyes up. All of a sudden, I got my woman laying at my feet. You know, I'm like, yes, thank you. I mean, Boaz, this man was single. He's like, the Lord has heard my prayers. I mean, it's a moment. But watch this. Watch what he does with this moment. Because this could have gone a lot of different directions. He could have done, done the wrong thing right here. Nobody would have known. He had this opportunity to fulfill his flesh. And he a grown man. She was already submitted. And by the way, she's pagan. She doesn't even know any better. She's never been taught any different. There's a lot of integrity that is about to be required in this situation. Not only could he have done whatever he wanted to in that moment and gotten away with it in his eyes... But see, Boaz understood a principle that we don't get to be disobedient to God's word and walk in the blessing of God's will. And it doesn't matter if you're 13, 14, 15 or 33, 34, 35 and so on. We cannot walk in disobedience and expect to inherit divinity. It just doesn't work that way according to God's word. Now, not only could he have had a lapse in morality in this moment, but he also could have had a lapse in position because he, apparently, Naomi didn't know that Boaz wasn't the next in line. But Boaz knew that he was the next in line. See, we're about to see that there was someone who was the rightful kinsman redeemer before Boaz. And there were laws for him to do this the right way. Here's what I want you to write down right here. Number three, a lapse of integrity is a loss of influence. Now listen, it's not that God can't redeem you. In fact, the further you go, the worse it gets. So if we're already in a lapse of integrity, the best thing that you can do right now is be honest. The best thing that you can do right now is not just turn away from your sin or away from your shame or away from your struggle, but it's to turn to your Savior and allow Him to begin to reconcile you to Himself and ultimately His will for your life. Because a lapse of integrity will always result in a loss of influence. And I'm telling you, if Boaz didn't do this the right way, he would not have inherited God's deliverance. Because listen to me, disobedience doesn't inherit deliverance. Disobedience, the Bible says, is demonic. And demons don't get delivered. The people get delivered from the demons. 
You can't have both. You have to choose what I want or what God wills. My flesh or his faith. So in Ruth uh, chapter four, as it begins to open, after Boaz explained this to Ruth, like, hey, I'm not the rightful heir. There's somebody else. So Boaz is gonna leave there and he's gonna go find this rightful kinsman redeemer. And so he goes and sits at the gate and he waits for this guy to come by. And, and he grabs 10 elders because if you want to be honorable, you always need accountability. And, and I don't care how old you are. And hey, by the way, parents, not giving your children accountability is setting them up for disaster. They can hate you now and love you later. They can hate you now and hate you later too. But it'd be better for them to not get what they want because you surrounded by them with enough accountability than for them to walk down the road of what they want when they don't really even understand what they need. You're not called to be their friend. You're called to be their leader. That is who you are positioned as. I don't care what your kid wants. I care what God tells you he wants and you are to be obedient to the voice of God for the sake of your child, even if it's in spite of what they wanted. That's how we are supposed to fight this battle. And, and Boaz understood this principle. He understood this principle of purity, that only purity pays the way to God's will. He understood this principle of integrity and honor. He understood that if it's not my right and it's not my position, then I'm not going to cheat, steal, lie, or that place. God will promote me as he sees fit. So he goes and he finds this kinsman redeemer and he pulls 10 witnesses, 10 elders of the Israelites together and he presents this case to this guy and he says hey look you're the rightful redeemer you are the one that is directly in line like Elimelech's land is rightfully yours to purchase and his family yours to have and this guy I mean he's young and he's ambitious he's like I'll buy it yeah yeah I want it I do I'll take it I, I, it, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm ready to grow, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to spend, I'm ready to invest. I'm ready to, I'm ready to accomplish this dream. Um, and then in verse 5 of Ruth chapter 4, the Bible says, Boaz told him, now of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. The Moabite widow, the daughter of the son of Lot's incest. And then all of a sudden, did you catch it? Wait, let me read it to you. Watch what he says. He says, verse 6, I can't redeem it. I can't redeem it. Watch why he says he can't redeem it. Because this might endanger my own estate. See, he was ready to, he was ready to grow if he gained something. He was ready to give if he gains something from it. But if you're asking me to give because it's going to cost me something, I'm out. See, you don't understand God. He says, I'm not going to put my own estate at risk. I'm not marrying this Moabite woman. Do you notice, did you see, that it is his greed that cost him his God-given destiny? It was rightfully his. He is supposed to be the one that this story is written about. But instead, we don't even know his name. We know Boaz. We assume this dude's name is maybe like Cheap As. We don't really know. 
Don't really know. I said as, A-Z. Okay, I'm just making sure y'all know. I'm not justifying your swearing, okay? It's not what's happening right now. Some of y'all dated this dude in college. You know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all still acting like him today, and all the women's waving hankies at me. You know what I'm talking about. Well, no, what happened to him? This is what we do know, that his greed denied him his destiny. Here, watch this. Listen, this man was an Israelite. He wasn't willing to, he wasn't willing to engage in or commune with a Moabite, watch this, his racism cost him his redemption. Because you can't be racist and redeemed in the same vessel. Salvation and selfishness never go together. You can't be like Jesus and be greedy. You can't be like Jesus and stop at somebody's skin tone. And I'm telling you, God is raising up a church right now and it looks different than it's ever looked before. It's going to look different from a philosophical perspective, and it's going to look different from a physical perspective. And God's church is going to unite as every ethnicity, color, and creed under one name, and his name is Jesus. Because our redemption draweth nigh, but we will miss it if we're racist. He missed it. Just like Orpah. She's not even in this story. Number four, generosity always delivers. Generosity always delivers. So in the presence of other people, this guy gives permission to Boaz. That's why he had accountability. He wanted to be honorable. Because we don't trust ourselves. We're only as strong as we are accountable. Did you hear that? That's why whatever you do in secret you're setting yourself up for failure. We need accountability in every area, not just for our teenagers, but for our old teenagers. I'm talking about you. Because we're really just a bunch of young people in some not as good as it used to be bodies. I'm with you. Like, I'm still hurting and stuff. I'm like, man, this healed faster when I was in my 20s. <laughs> it doesn't happen the same anymore. But generosity always delivers. Always. It may deliver something that you don't even know it's delivering. But greed denies and generosity delivers. Boaz did this the right way. Ruth was loyal despite her loss. And now we see the beginning of this picture of God beginning to redeem this whole story. What was tragedy and loss what, what Naomi considered loss is now beginning to be set up that her daughter-in-law is about to marry one of her kinsmen. And her kinsman marries Ruth. He purchases the land and he marries Ruth because he wasn't willing to receive an offering or give an offering that didn't cost him something. Just like we talked about David last week. And I'm telling you, church, listen to me. We are about to enter into the days where us receiving from God without it costing costing us anything is not going to be existing anymore they've already experienced it overseas we don't live biblical Christianity we live American Christianity and it is about to change I can sense it on the horizons and only the true disciples will begin to be sifted to the surface don't you let the devil rob you with greed and self protection and selfishness just because you don't get your way no, you stay the course. You don't go back to what you knew just because that's what you're more comfortable.
your fallenness. You've already been redeemed from that. You follow the steps that Jesus ordains and established as you walk by faith and not by sight. Because generosity delivers. Ruth marries Boaz and she conceives a son. The Bible says the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. Watch this, verse 14 of Ruth chapter 4. The women of the town said to Naomi, hold up, Naomi ain't even done nothing. Naomi been sitting at the house making Ruth bathe. (laughs) Go uncover his feet and lay down. Hey, while you're out, could you bring me some more grain back? I'm getting kind of hungry again. The women of the town said to Naomi, isn't it it incredible to understand that sometimes the only thing that you have to do is go back to the place that you belong? And you just need to get around a bunch of people that are loyal and honorable and generous. And as long as you get back into the place that you belong, then God will begin to help you believe again just because of somebody else's obedience. He just needs you to be where you're supposed to be. Well, I don't know what to do. Do what you're supposed to do until God shows you what to do. And he will increase your faith through somebody else's obedience. The women of the town said to Nate, this book is so good, by the way. Totally missed it, never preaching a sermon on this book. The women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. Verse 15, may he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Verse 16 says, now Naomi took the baby and cuddled her to her breast. And she cared for him as if he were her own. Verse 17, the neighbor women says, now at last Naomi has a son again. And that's not her son. That's Ruth's son. That's Boaz's boy. Naomi has no blood connection to this child whatsoever. It is the son of her daughter-in-law. Not connected to her by blood. She's Moabite. And the son of her husband's relative. Not hers. This ain't Naomi's son. That's Ruth's baby. And all the women that had a mother-in-law try to take a baby away, you know what he's happening right now. Ruth's like, girl, you better get my baby. Like, that's my baby. But the women of the town, listen to me, the women of the town are praising God and, and acknowledging what he has done in Naomi's life because of the pagan that forsook her past to walk into her potential future. They named him Obed. Hey, now listen, you, if you hadn't been listening, if the person next to you is kind of dozing off, elbow them because they're about to miss something real good if they don't wake up right now. They named him Obed, who became the father of Jesse, whose line is David. And the lineage of David, as you fast forward and you open the book of Matthew, and the book of Luke. It's why it's so important that you don't just pass up the begots. Some powerful stuff in the begots. <laughs> you just don't forget the begots. And God will show you something that you don't currently got. It's good stuff. He'll do that. 
So Ruth marries Boaz, and they have a child named Obed who has a son named Jesse who has a son named David. He actually has eight sons, and the youngest one, the forgotten one, out in the middle of the field, his name is David. So let me show you this picture. And by the way, this is from um, Bible Project. You can find this. uh, It's on YouTube. There's this Bible Project organization. They've taken the books of the Bible, and they give like five to eight-minute overviews of the entire book. And even the one that was only two pages and four chapters, I was like, I'm going to listen to the overview. Come on, who likes the cliff notes, somebody? Can you just praise God for cliff notes? And I found this picture, and it shows this entire story. And over here, Ruth, I'm sorry, Naomi could only see her loss. She couldn't see her legacy. But God saw it. God saw her loss as a setup for her legacy. So over here, where all you see is tragedy and death, God sees loyalty through a plan that produces joy and birth. So we went from loss to a legacy that ultimately leads to the lineage, not just any lineage, but the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Hang on, there's more. We, we caught this. Now, i got to give Amber Mesh credit for this because she's the one that when we were talking about the power of gender, she's like, you got to do the story of Ruth. Hey, you got to do Ruth. you you got to preach Ruth. And we're like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about Ruth. Tell us what you know about Ruth. And she's like, we, I read a book on Ruth, and I, and I had these notes, and I took notes, and I, and I, and I was like, well, where are the notes? She's like, oh, I threw them away. So she did What? Well, I mean, that's just how I study. Like, I have a journal, I write a bunch of stuff down, and I'm like, okay, I'm done with that one. <laughs> Throw it away. Because I don't want to live off of yesterday's revelation. That's not what she said, but that's what she was meaning by it. They're like, okay, well, you got to tell us about Ruth. She's like, oh, the loyalty of Ruth. She helped Naomi. Naomi wasn't willing to even let her follow her because Naomi didn't know how to receive a blessing. But, but Ruth was loyal and honorable despite that. And then we start looking and, and we, we find out that Boaz is an interesting character. He's not just the cousin of this not-so-Boaz guy. He's actually the son Does anybody know his mama? Boaz's mama's name was Rahab. You remember Rahab, the prostitute of Jericho? The one that the two Israelite spies went into the city of Jericho and Rahab hid them from being murdered by the people that were pursuing them? And those two Israelite spies looked into the eyes of that prostitute from Jericho and they said, we will protect you. Your family will survive because of your generosity. You will be delivered. So we see that Rahab the prostitute begot Boaz who was a nobody for most of his life until he was willing to overcome his racism, walk into his redemption, and through obedient generosity, marries a Moabite woman named Ruth who has a son named Obed, who has a son named Jesse, who has eight sons, one of which the, the, the prophet thought was the rightful heir, but God had his eyes on a different person. That boy's name 
name was David. He became king of all the nations of all the world who begot a son named Solomon who led up to the birth of Jesus Christ of Nazareth from a virgin named Mary that should have never even been there in that place. Rahab the prostitute is now in the lineage of Jesus the Son of God because generosity delivers. That's the power of generous. We see a generous deliverance. You think Rahab knew she was going to end up in the line of Jesus? No, no, no. She just went with her heart. Despite how she had been living, she sensed the Spirit of God inside of her saying, you've been living in greed up to this point, but I'm calling you to generosity. And it was through a generous heart that we see deliverance. By the way, all the way up to this room today, because Naomi lost two sons, but she became the legacy of the first son of many sons and daughters, the commitment that led to the family that God had already planned for her and us to have a generous deliverance. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, I pray that our greed would never get in the way. God, I pray that our selfishness would never hinder. Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do. As we are obedient to your word despite what we want. God, that we are faithful as your people. No matter what person, policy, or political party we may be cheering for. God, I pray that your church would unite under one name, one faith, one Lord, one spirit. His name is Jesus. May we be generous. God, I pray that a spirit of generosity would become contagious in this place. Not because we have need, but because you have vision. You will be the provision as long as we are obedient and we follow you wherever you go, whatever you do, and we're loyal. If you're in the room right now, we've been praying for you. If you're not living for Jesus, if you're not following him, if you haven't received salvation, maybe you did at one point, but you have gone back to the things that you're comfortable with. You have slipped back into a certain way of living and you know that that doesn't represent Christ. It doesn't represent your kinsman redeemer, Jesus, the only begotten son whom God gave because he loved. Who did he love? He loved you. He loved you. And he wants you to receive and give yourself as an offering right now here in this room. So if you need to give your life to Jesus today, if you need to receive salvation as you sit in this room or you're watching online, I want to invite you to simply open your hands in your lap and position yourself. Just as Ruth positioned herself. Position yourself to receive the gift that God has given to you beginning with salvation. 
a life worth living, a legacy worth leaving, an eternity worth inheriting right now. Church, I want to invite you, for anybody that needs to pray this prayer, I want to invite you to pray loud so that they will pray out loud and we will use our mouth to confess. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen. I've been greedy, selfish. Cleanse me and save me. I believe you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You are my kinsman redeemer. You were raised from the dead so I could be born again, made new like you. May I be generous like you are. Use me to deliver. May I follow you with all of my heart. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your God is my God. I will give you my life and never take it back. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody praise Jesus today.